He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Howdy guys, it's Laura Giles with Surviving to Thriving. Thanks for being here with me. I had something else planned to talk about today that flows with the energy of spring and the element of air, but we've been having private conversations in the Surviving to Thriving Academy on the hero's journey, and I wanted to share part of that with you because it's really juicy and important to think about when you're on a journey of transformation. And of course, traveling around the sacred wheel is just that. So if you are a first-time listener or a long-time listener, welcome. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd ask you to subscribe and let me know what is the hardest part of your journey of awakening and how you got through it. Thanks. In season one of the podcast, I think it was the second podcast ever, actually, I talked about the call to adventure. This is when we are cozy and comfortable in the mundane world doing our day-to-day thing. And then something happens that makes us sit up and go, whoa, wait, I really need to be doing something different. Maybe it's something tasty, like you have a really amazing experience, like a dream or a ritual, or it could be something devastating, like a death or a job loss. Whatever it is, it prompts you to set off in search of something like finding out your dad isn't who you thought he was and beginning to search for who he was and who you are. There is a whole lot of steps before you get to the end, but the last stop, assuming you don't give up and are successful in your quest, is coming back with the elixir. This is a phrase that means that you found what you were searching for or something more and you return home with this thing to bless your community with it. And this is where the whole thing can fall apart. You see, when you go on the hero's journey, you start in the known mundane world. When you cross the threshold, you're entering into the unknown. It's a magical, spiritual type of place where a transformation happens. You're soaring with the angels or the gods and doing amazing things. Then your feet come back down to earth and you're back with these people who have no understanding of what you endured or what any of it means. And you're trying to share this with them and in some cases are getting really crazy looks. Now, if your journey is something that people can relate to, like weight loss, making money, recovering from cancer, or recovering from heartbreak, that's something that people can identify with. You'll have no problem with going from surviving to thriving from something like that. You have lots of company and support. But if it's a spiritual journey, like many of us in the Surviving to Thriving group are undertaking, 
it can feel like you've transformed into a griffin or a phoenix and have come back a complete stranger to your community. You've become a two-headed monster and they all think you're a freak. It can feel the same for our soldiers who endure combat. I talked about this in the podcast about the warrior archetype, but imagine this. A 19-year-old new recruit goes to basic training, does his A school, and then is sent to a combat zone. He's only ever held a weapon in boot camp and has only fired a few shots. And now he's responsible for going on patrols and possibly shooting people? How does he come home to Thanksgiving dinner and Monday night football after that? I had a friend who was a Mormon, and I have no idea what he was doing in the Marines, but he was on duty in the jungle and someone came up on his position at night. I think he was at a checkpoint or guarding a gate or something like that. Anyway, he told him to halt several times, but the person kept advancing, and my friend shot him. There are no words to tell you how much that messed him up. He was never the same after that. Our soldiers can't come back with the elixir because one of the requirements for coming back with the elixir is that the community knows of your journey, supports it, and wants what you're bringing back. In regards to our soldiers, most of society blocks out what soldiers do. If we held an awareness of that in our consciousness, we would have fewer soldiers all over the world. We would have a greater awareness of the cost in lives that we pay for sending them all over. We wouldn't let our sons, brothers, and fathers make that sacrifice for us because life is precious. So our community doesn't know of the journey because we bury our heads in the sand. We don't support it for the same reason. So what does a soldier bring back? PTSD in most cases. They aren't bringing back culture or freedom or happy stories. They're bringing back nightmares and suicidality. They aren't being initiated into warriorhood. They're treated like disposable, invisible rags. When we live in a world where an influencer can make a million dollars on YouTube for losing weight, and we applaud that journey and transformation, but a soldier gets disability, VA benefits, and PTSD, there's something really wrong with our culture, guys. Another common journey where coming back with the elixir can create more separation is the journey of the addict. This is why 28-day hospitalization programs fail. The person with the addiction leaves a system that created and supports the addiction. They find safety, support, and healthier habits. They begin to feel better. Then they return to the sick community and are expected to be healed. That doesn't work. We have it totally backward. The addict isn't the issue. It's the unhealthy environment that spawned them and sustains the addiction. Until we fix that, there's no returning with the elixir and no way to benefit the community. You see, we might undertake the hero's journey for ourselves, but if we can't share it, the integration is incomplete. This is why so many addicts go into rehab over and over again. We all have a yearning to belong. It's why there's so many love songs that say something like, it all means nothing without you. When the addict drinks or uses again, it's a way of saying, this is what I do to fit in, or this is how I cope with fitting in. I once visited this community where everyone drank. It was a two martini after work type of culture, and then lots of drinking on the weekends. I don't drink at all. I don't judge anybody for drinking. I don't really care. I just have no tolerance, and I don't have the enzymes to digest alcohol, so I don't drink. 
And boy, was I made to feel like an outcast because of it. I really felt pressure to either conform or go somewhere else. So I went somewhere else. I don't know how people who have a problem with alcohol cope with social pressure like that. Because we all want to belong. We share really simple pleasures in the Surviving to Thriving group. We've gone hiking together, watched the media shower, had crafting parties, gone foraging together. Just wholesome, simple things. Nobody has to conform to anything. And that's the type of holistic, spiritual community that I love. If you have a cool awakening or something that you want to share, you can. But if all you have to share is a four-leaf clover that you found, you'll find a receptive audience for that too. Do you remember how uh, the show Cheers, the theme song said, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came? That's the type of society that we all need to thrive. We all need a society where we feel we can belong and can do something amazing or have an incredible experience and we can come back, share it, and have a receptive audience. Imagine if Moses went to the mountain, saw the burning bush, and came down and nobody cared. Or they said, Moses, you're crazy. You need to get on meds. <laughs> the world would be a totally different place, wouldn't it? So coming back with the elixir is dangerous because here you are and you've been through hell and you've proven yourself to yourself. And now you're glowing with this divine spark and have in your hand something precious that could be as life-changing for your people as fire or the wheel. But you're returning to the mundane, ordinary human experience. And you know that this could mean that you lose your spark. As hard as every part of the journey has been, this may be the hardest part because it calls upon the hero to be the master of two worlds, the known and the unknown, the mundane and the magical. How do you navigate that in a society that doesn't care for your magic? There is a new form of psychotherapy that involves using plant medicine. It's been used in tribal society for thousands of years, but now it's being used in synthetic forms in retreats and clinics all over the world. So people use mescaline, DMT, psilocybin, ketamine, and other substances to open their minds, see God, see the sacred geometry of the matrix. They report that the things they were crushed about before all seem small now. And they are so much more open and loving. And once that week or however long they're there is over, they return to the ordinary world full of people who find it kooky or don't care. How do you think that goes over? Do you think the transformation feels complete? So this integration piece is super important. It's about keeping what you gained on your travels, incorporating it into your life and identity and sharing it. Do you imagine someone's roommate might be saying, oh, shut up, Ralph. Your experience sounded amazing the first time I heard it. And now all I want to know is, do you want to go to the movies or not? It happens a lot. In The Wizard of Oz, uh, when Dorothy returns home and realizes that she likes her life and everything and everyone in it, that's an example of returning with the elixir. In Gone with the Wind, when Melanie dies, Scarlet realizes how stupid and immature she's been and grows up. Her immaturity and trauma may have cost her her husband, but you see the resolve and clarity in her eyes. And you just know that her life won't be about making money or chasing Ashley anymore. A more modern example is Moana. 
She returns with the elixir when she replaces the heart and saves the island from dying. It's easy to see how she benefits the people because she restores the Voyager culture to the people. In Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Rudolph leaves his life because he feels he's a misfit. He has no idea that he's setting off on a call to adventure, but he faces a lot of problems, grows up, and returns home only to find his family gone. He goes after them, rescues them from the abominable snowman, and then returns with the elixir, the elixir being self-acceptance and self-esteem. Fortunately, he has a chance to prove to the community the value of his shiny nose, and they accept him too. But it's not that neat in real life. You see, we all have an elixir. We all have a light inside that might be something that others don't value. And when we don't get that validation or appreciation, we can miss the integration piece and end up going around the wheel again in search of it. So what do you do? Well, I think there are two things. You can be the change. You can be the person who recognizes the value of the struggle and the victory and be the witness and cheerleading squad for someone else. Remember the elixir isn't just for the hero's benefit. It's the whole idea of if a tree falls and no one hears it, it doesn't make a sound. If a person finds his inner light and there's no one to see it, does it shine at all? Yeah, be the mirror that reflects the light back to them so that it continues to shine. Have some empathy. Even if whatever they're dreaming up is not all that important to you, see the value in it in the big scheme of things. Help. Share it on social media. Volunteer to help them in some way. Tell someone about it. Connect them to someone who could help further their idea or someone who could benefit from their gifts. Listen to their story. I have guests on the podcast to share their struggles and triumphs because I hope that others see themselves in their stories and feel inspired to start their own journey. We all have struggles and triumphs. Listen. It builds compassion and empathy. If we act on that, perhaps the next person won't have that struggle. Engage in rites of passage. When we become a society that understands rites of passage and initiations, these rituals will have more power and meaning. Right now we get married and nothing changes. It's a piece of paper and an expensive party. If you undergo that ritual as a rite of passage, it's a very different experience, isn't it? Your identity changes from a single solo person to someone who belongs to someone else, someone who's part of a family. So if you want to be a part of a society that supports integration after a hero's journey that can make that transformation complete, be that person that the hero can return to and bestow their benefit on you or share it with you or let you witness it. Life's not a solo sport. It's meant to be connected and relational. If you absolutely don't have that and want that, come to the Surviving to Thriving community. It's free. Everyone's welcome. We'll witness for you and appreciate your journey and your triumph and hold you accountable, if you like, to live the identity that you've earned. Think about this. How many people do you know who leave home, move out, go to college and become their own person, but the moment they return home, they're a little kid again. Their dad is giving them gas money and their mom is telling them what to wear or what to eat. This is what I mean. You can't thrive in a society that doesn't acknowledge your transformation and your new identity. It's a buzzkill. You need people who see you for good or ill. If you want to live naturally and in a meaningful way, honesty is everything. And the second thing you can do is move through the wheel consciously so that you'll actually complete the whole journey. 
I can tell you that most people who come to counseling come because they have a problem. And when that problem is over and they're no longer uncomfortable, they stop growing because their biggest desire isn't transformation, it's comfort. All they want is to feel enough ease to fall back asleep where no one is asking anything of them. If they can sweep everything under the rug and not have to look at it, they're happy enough. If they can pop a pill and turn off the warning light, never mind that their joints are deteriorating or they have some unresolved emotion, that's the refusal of the call. If you think that's all there is to life, you won't ask for more. So learn about the sacred wheel. Learn about the milestones so that you can ask better questions and grow. Be curious so that you don't settle on an answer and stop moving. Question what you think you know. Look to nature and let it surprise you. In my community, we've been exploring being embodied and have been dancing a bit. So I was dancing the other day by myself with colored glasses on and I was dancing the colors. And it was so strange how differently I felt with yellow glasses versus blue ones. So I started playing to see if I wore red glasses, which are typically seen as an active, aggressive color and dance to slow, emotional, meditative music. What would that be like? It was really crazy <laughs> how it just shattered all the rules. Nothing has to be the way we think it does or the way it's always been. When you're radical and get out of your patterns, transformation is possible. So dare, dare to have something more than an existence of survival or coping. There's a poem by Charles Bukowski. I referenced it in season one, but I'm gonna share it again here because it really captures the spirit of what it's like to do the hero's journey. It's called Go All the Way. And it says, if you're gonna try, Go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. If you're going to try, go all the way. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe even your mind. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision, mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it, despite rejection and the worst odds. And it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There's no other feeling like that. You'll be alone with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. Do it. Do it do it all the way. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is. The only way to lose is stop playing the game. Have you seen the movie Pan's Labyrinth? It's a fairy tale about a princess of the underworld who comes to earth and gets trapped in a human form. She forgets who she is and begins her journey back home. One of her tasks is to retrieve a dagger. And while she's in this place, she's instructed not to eat anything. But of course she does and awakens a monster. And guess what? Even though she didn't do it perfectly, she got what she wanted and got out of there alive. Then guess what happens? This is a spoiler, so skip ahead if you haven't seen the movie and you want to. But at the end, she dies. And that is not how a fairy tale is supposed to end. 
but her death was a rebirth in the place where she really came from so she could resume her true form. Her return with the, with the elixir was a remembering of her true self and reunion with her mother, father, and her community. So you can't lose. And what you think the goal or prize is might not be the prize. Just keep going and it will reveal itself to you. So if you want to be part of a group that recognizes the value of community and want to belong to others who want to belong to you and you don't have anything like that, come join us. Experience what it's like. Go back to your peeps with that elixir and plant seeds for that where you are so we'll all have something to come back to. Spread the love. We need each other, guys. Let's see each other, support each other, and belong to one another. Thanks for listening. And I'd love to hear about a time when you were either wonderfully supported or let down by your community. We can all learn from each other, and stories are a great way to do that. And if you have an idea for how to come back with the elixir and keep it, when you don't have a community, I'd love to hear that idea. Share it in the comments. See you next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.